All right, Chris and Ashley, come on up. And can we give these guys thanks? You know, we, we praise God, but we give honor to those. David, his first time with us, right, doing the keyboard? Good job, David. So, sorry I don't have mugs for you guys this week, but next time. Come on up. Let's, uh, uh, yes, you do need a bike. That, that, I'm glad you caught that because I totally missed that. So these guys were down in Mexico, what, a couple of weeks ago? Yes. With Mark and Chacho and came up afterwards and were talking to me. You just, I mean, I'm excited what they're doing and we haven't even practiced this, so <laughs> I hope you guys are ready to go. What, what happened down there? What did you guys see? What did you take part in? Um, obviously, there's a lot in the news right now about the refugees, people seeking asylum, and obviously, it's a very politicized situation with strong feelings. Everyone has one way or another. I think what we found is that there are people. And, um, and I think, of, you know, when you look around here, it's just like you or I. We have a family. We, wanna, we think we want a better life. And somehow, we make this journey up. And the journeys were horrific. Um, the people are living on the streets, and, um, um, you know, it's really heartbreaking. I mean, you, uh, the, um, I mean, little kids, and they have no food, water, they're in the most dangerous city in the world, the police are corrupt, the cartel will kill people, I think Matt Brown said the cartel was just killing the refugees. So here they are, sleeping on the street, no protection, you have kids. And, uh, you know, Mark and Chacho, um, you know, they have churches, soup kitchens, drug rehabs, and really reach people at their uh, foundational need of what they need, which is an awesome ministry and probably the one of the most dangerous places in the world. And um, so they have started to feed and try to provide some of the basic needs along with um, uh, giving the gospel. And obviously, I think as anyone here can attest, when you're at your lowest, the gospel, you're open to it. And here these people are sitting on the streets just waiting for their turn. Um, and many will probably have to go back. But while they're there, Mark and Chacho are trying to find resources to feed them to minister to them and be a light to them and show Jesus. Because if they go back or go home, the process is long. Many will have to just find their way back. And so um, they are people. You know, I think that's at the end of the day, we're called to help people. And Ashley can share some of the stories of some of the people we met. Well, I'll, I'll just share one quick story. Um, on, on your bulletin at the bottom in that rectangular picture, um, if you look to the far left, there's a lady <clears throat> wearing um, a black shirt, and she's holding a little child in her arms, and her name is Johanna, and <clears throat> I spent most of my time down there for the little time that we were there visiting with her, and she came from Honduras. Um, she was pregnant um, and had two small children at the time, and she was raped, she said, and that seemed to be like the final straw that finally made her want to leave Honduras. And so she and her two children and pregnant got into a cattle trailer and traveled up to the border, um, the international border in Matamoros. And she just told me her story really through tears. And it was, it was almost hard to really imagine it. I mean, I, I was listening to her and thought, this just this really happens to people. Um, so it was very heart-wrenching to hear, um, you know, what she, where she came from and that she you know, was a single mom with two, two children. And somewhere along the line, she had the baby. I could never figure out where she had the baby. But she had been, on the, been um, on the border for three months just sitting basically at the fence with a bunch of other refugees waiting. And she was, um, I can't remember what her number was, I think maybe 29 and so they wait for their number to be called. And when their number's called, then they know they can go, um, I don't know, what, uh, yeah, begin the process of getting over the border. And so they just sit there and wait all day long. And um, she sleeps in a church. 
um, at night, and I think the church gives them a breakfast in the morning, but then besides that, they, she has nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, and so that was very heart-wrenching um, to, to get to know her, and uh, it was very hard to say goodbye to her. I gave her a little bracelet that has um, kind of the story of the gospel in beads, and I, and I tried to go through it with her, and I was like, just take, wear this, and every time you get, dis, you, know, you know, discouraged or you feel like you have no hope, I want you to look at this and remember what this story says. Um, the thing that struck me is... Um, these people are, like Chris said, are at the border thinking that when they get to the U.S., all their answers are, all their questions are going to be answered. All of their dreams are going to come true. Life is going to be great. They think they just need to get across the border. And the thing that's special about this situation, I guess, that we can be a part of is that we all know that that is not really the answer. That the answer that all of them have is in Jesus. And so it's really an amazing opportunity for all of us to be a part of, you know, taking these people who are desperate for answers, for, for hope in their life, to say, yeah, getting to the U.S. is going to be great, but really the answer that you really need is Christ. And they're hungry for anything that's going to give them those kind of answers. So this is a really neat opportunity um, to be a part of something that's happening right now and a group of people that are desperate for Jesus, really. Um, I was going to read one verse, that, and then um, we'll get off the stage. Isaiah 58.10 says, And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. And I think that kind of captures what we can do down there, is really bring light, the true light, to these um, desperate people at the border. So next week, we're going to be, you can, on your way down, you can stick that back. Thank you, guys. Can we give them? Yeah, so what we're doing next Sunday is we're actually going to take, have a special offering, give you a chance to contribute money that we're going to send down to Mark and Chacho, because they're just needing to buy stuff. And I think it's on the, on the insert, but there's just things they need to help meet the needs of the refugees that are there. So that's going to be um, a special thing we're going to do next Sunday. So, okay. Man, we've got lots to do today. I'm excited. Can we have a moment for prayer? Um, we're going to be looking at a text in the scripture that is very significant and I think is deeply misunderstood. And we want to be Bereans, right? We want to be people who are eager to get in the Word of God. And then everything we hear, what you hear from me today, everything that you've believed maybe before about this, that we, as a Berean, we lay it before God and we say, Lord, I want your word to be what forms and shapes how I think about what you're doing in the world. So I just want to take a minute for us to all open ourselves to whatever God has to say to us this morning. as always, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Okay. Gosh, I've got a number of things. This is, uh, you'd think I'd remember. What is this called? This, there's a name for this week. What is it? Yeah, Palm Sunday, but the week has a name. Holy Week. Yeah, Palm Sunday. This is the day, by the way, that Jesus walked into Jerusalem. It's also the day that all of the fathers of the Jewish families were picking out the lamb that they would kill on Passover. So as Jesus is entering in Jerusalem, the father has picked the lamb that will die on Passover. So, uh, so we're going to, on Thursday, we're going to have our Monday Thursday thing we normally have in here at 7 o'clock. I think I have the time right. Um, it's, that's the night that Jesus had his last supper and was betrayed. And we always get together and kind of, before Easter comes, really think and focus about the cross and what that meant to me. And so we want to invite you here for Thursday night to come to that. 
about an hour, and if you want to know what Monday Thursday means, don't ask me today, but Thursday I'll tell you, okay? It's not Monday Thursday, it's Monday Thursday. Um, so we're getting, we're almost done with the true story. I, I don't know about you, but I just have loved telling the story. Next Sunday is Easter. Uh, I really want to encourage you to invite a friend. We still have postcards back at the Welcome Center that you can grab and give to somebody to come this week. We will go through the whole story one time the whole thing in one shot, and I really would invite those of you who are prayer warriors, I saw one of mine a minute ago I've lost, but if you guys could be praying even for next week, because it'll be a significant Sunday, there will be people here, maybe for the first time, and it'll be a chance for them to hear what God is doing, and we want the Spirit to be active in their hearts, so I would appreciate your prayer. Um, I'm also, we're going to give, not, we're going to not give this next week, but soon after, I'm going to have a a summary of the story so that if you want to tell it with somebody, you can like before you meet or whatever, you could like go over and review it um, to help you out. And also next Sunday, we're going to have a surprise for you. Uh, I can't tell you because it's a surprise. Um, I was almost going to say it, but I can't. I said it was going to be a surprise. We're also going to have next Sunday the Gospel of Mark with some other scripture from the New Testament. Um, in the message that we're going to have available for people that are here who don't know the story at all or who don't know God, maybe don't have a Bible, so we're going to have those. So um, most of you probably have the Gospel of Mark. We have a kind of a limited number, so if you would, um, if you would just uh, maybe not necessarily grab one of those next week. And then one other thing, I'm going to be, after next week, or during, after both services, I'm actually going to stay up on the stage. I'm going to have a seat here, and I'm going to invite people who maybe this is all new to them and have questions to come up. So, not that I don't like you guys, but it's not the Sunday for you to come up and ask me whatever your big theological question of the week is. It's people really who are hungry or questioning and who are wanting to know. So, just kind of, that's a family thing, let you guys know ahead of time. Um, one more thing. In the bulletin this week is this little sheet, the story of God. And actually in about a month, we're going to have a Sunday where we're going to kind of come back to this and we're going to do a little bit of a Q&A kind of thing. So as, have I, as I've been teaching through this or even today, if you've had any questions about his story, um, we want to give you a chance to, to you can do this. Uh, you know, if, if I get, you get bored halfway through and you're tired of doodling, you know, just put a question on here if you have one. Maybe even the most important thing you've learned, even that, just that would be encouraging to us. There's a basket on the back by the, the, the welcome thing. Is there a basket there too or can they put something over there? I'm just, is there a place? Huh? We'll have something. I don't know. But really, if you have a question about any of this, please... Please write that on there and throw that in. Okay, I can hardly contain myself. Are you guys ready? Oh, and did you notice, like, we've got an official version of the story that's in there. Don't look at the backside yet, though, okay? Don't cheat. Some of you already cheated. I can tell Joyce, you already cheated. I can tell by that laugh. Um, I did this with the international students a couple of years ago, and somebody that was in there was drawing, and it was just amazing, and so he, it was Joseph Lawhorn, I asked him if he would do that for me, kind of officially, so, okay, uh, last week, oh, yeah, I got to do one more thing, my last reminder, uh, please don't forget Tangled, did I tell you, somebody told me there's two copies at the public library, so you can go in there and get those free. Hey, if you get one, don't keep it for five days because there's other people here that want it, okay? Watch it. Take it back in the morning. Walked in my office this morning. I found this on my desk. I don't know if you can see that. Can you see that? That's like the tangled characters. And so, you know, pastors, we don't do anything during the week. So now I know what I'm going to do every day when I go in into work. Uh, so whoever did that, thanks for the... I got quite a laugh from that. Um, All right, so last week, um, we talked about the fact that we're living at this time when God himself, he's begun to put everything right. Remember this time between the times, but it's not all finally put right. We live in this time when his restoration is partial, 
and it's not to be completed till one day when Jesus returns. That's when he'll finish it. Our king who wears, who has his crown of thorns. So one day he will return to finish that. He will complete the restoration that he's begun. He will finally establish his kingdom. And we're told in Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 that when he comes as king, his victory over Satan will be complete. He will finally vanquish all the powers of darkness. They will be conquered and totally done away with. Um, let me see if that, okay, never mind, I moved that thing. So he'll be totally done away with. And we're also told at that time when he comes after vanquishing evil that he will, those of us, I mean, that all people will, ri- will be risen will be raised, resurrected, and will stand before God in judgment. And those people who have not accepted His offer, His free offer of life and of relationship with Him will be forever sent away from Him and separated from Him and His goodness. But those of us who have fallen in love with Him and we have bowed the knee, so to speak, have accepted His offer of life and forgiveness... Um, we will be invited to join Him forever and ever in our risen bodies, this community that we talked about last week. We will be invited to join Him and live with Him forever. On a totally new and recreated earth. Now, this concept is really new to a lot of people, even a lot of people who've been in church for a long time. So, I want to actually read Revelation 21 and 22, and I want you to read it with fresh eyes, okay? Whatever you've thought about the end of human history and what God's doing eternally, I want you to kind of set that aside, and I want you to Pay attention, if you would, and I want you to stand with me. Can we stand while we read His Word? In Revelation 21, 1, Then I saw a new earth, a new heaven, and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, out of heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. It is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His, they will be his people, and God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this the new heaven and new earth that it talks about at the very beginning of this chapter. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. One of the seven angels came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain, great and high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will spring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter into it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life." Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life that is flow, as cr- clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God. If 
you know Revelation, the throne is always in heaven. Chapter 4, every time you see the throne, it's in heaven. Flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the what? Of the city. The city that came down, the throne is in the middle of that city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and, the, and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So what we see in Revelation 21 and 22 is the coming together of heaven and earth, heaven coming down and transforming the earth. Um, It is a common assumption, I think, that we spend eternity in heaven, pretty common assumption, but I want hopefully for you to see by the time we're done today that this really is not the biblical vision. And I want you to hang with me for a minute. Can you hang with me? Um, Randy Alcorn, who wrote probably the most popular book called Heaven, but like three-quarters of it is on new creation, because the Bible says a lot more about this. He says that when a Christian dies, he or she enters into what theologians call the intermediate state, a transitional period between our past lives on earth and our future resurrection to life on the new earth. Usually when we refer to heaven, we mean the place that Christians go when they die, We're referring to the intermediate heaven. By definition, an intermediate state or location is temporary. Still, the intermediate heaven, it is not our final destination. Though it will be a wonderful place, the intermediate heaven is not the place we're made for. It's not the place God promises to refashion for us to live in forever. God's children are destined for life as resurrected beings on a resurrected earth. We must not lose sight of our true destination, our bodily resurrection and permanent relocation to the new earth. It bears repeating because it's so commonly misunderstood. When we die, believers in Christ will go to an intermediate heaven. In the intermediate heaven, we'll await the time of Christ's return to the earth, our bodily resurrection and the final judgment and the creation of the new heavens and new earth. This is what the Bible promises us. We will live with Him, with Christ, and each other forever, not in the intermediate heaven, but on the new earth where God, Father, Son, eternally incarnate, and Holy Spirit will be at home with His people. If I were to diagram this for you, um, really this is what I have found over the years. A lot of people believe is that you die, when you die, your soul goes to heaven, and eternally you're there in heaven with God. But what I'm going to talk about today, the vision of the Bible really is that that will happen, that if I were to die today, my soul and spirit would be with God in heaven, perfectly in His presence. But that when Jesus returns in the future, He will resurrect my body And He will create a new creation, a new heaven and the earth, and I will live, we will live with Him forever on that new earth. That's the vision not just of Revelation 21 and 22, Isaiah 65 and 66, Romans 8 and 2 Peter 3 all talk about we will live forever on a new creation. Um, Man, I've got so much I could say about this um, to delve into this. So, let me just jump in. Yeah, somebody said this. You know, we talk a lot about life after death. That is life after death. If I were to die, being present with God. N.T. Wright calls new creation life after life after death. That's really cool. I like that. There will be a life after life after death. It's really interesting. In Revelation 21.1, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. In the Greek language, there's two words for new. There's neos, which means it's new in time as in brand new. Like if, I, if yesterday I bought a new watch and I said, hey, look, my watch is new, it means I've only owned it a day. It's like brand new. But there's the word kainos, which means new in kind, new in nature or quality, like, like new again. Like if, if my watch were to get broken, 
something happened to it, and I sent it off, and it got repaired and came back to me, and I said, oh, look, my watch is new. It, I may have had it for years. It doesn't mean new in time. It means new in quality. It's restored, refurbished. Well, which of those words do you think is used of new creation in Revelation 1? Any guess? I mean, you probably know. It's underlined, right? Kainos. Kainos. New in kind, something restored or refurbished. Somebody takes an old classic car, I wish I had this ability, and they take it and they restore it and make it maybe even better than new. They add stuff to it that wasn't on it. That's exactly what kainos is, and when it talks about this new creation, it's talking about God taking what exists and He's, he's just refurbishing it, restoring it. He's, he's making it new again. Uh, this totally fits with Revelation 21.5 where he says, I am making all things new, not all new things, brand new things. He's making the things, the creation that is, he's, he's making it new. Second Peter 3 goes into kind of more detail on how he's going to do that. This all fits with uh, some of the key scriptures we've been doing for weeks. In Matthew 19.28, when Jesus says when he returns, it'll be the renewal of all things. We talked about this two weeks ago. That's the palingenesis. That's the word that he uses. And you guys see the word in the word, right? In palingenesis is the word genesis. And that word renew, what it's talking about is this idea of God restoring things back to how they were in Genesis. That, you know, anybody in the, in the, the time of Jesus, they read the Greek New Testament, the Greek Old Testament, I'm sorry. And when they heard this with this word, immediately they're thinking of Genesis, this renewal of back to Genesis. It's a restoring of God's Genesis vision. And that's why in Revelation 22, there's several references to Genesis. But just in 22, the river is back, the river that was in the, the Eden, the tree of life is back and no longer any curse. It's the reversal of Genesis 3. This is all about restoring that Genesis creation back to how he designed it at the beginning. In Acts chapter 3, Peter, when he talks about it, it's the, boy, this is a big one, apokatastasis, the restoration of all things when Jesus returns. And this word means to restore something back to its original pristine condition. In Matthew 12, 32, Jesus meets a man with a withered hand, and he heals it, and he asks him to stretch out his hand, and as he does, his hand is, we're told in Matthew 12, 13, I'm sorry, is totally restored, and it's this same word, meaning it is restored back to its original pristine condition. So this is the biblical vision of new creation, that God will restore it back to its its original pristine condition. That's been his dream all along. Again, it's this idea of taking something broken that's not as it should be and restoring it back to as it was intended to be. And that's why we've been saying God's overarching purpose is nothing less than the restoration of the totality of his creation back to its original design. To bring all things back under his loving reign. It's the great restoration. This is what God's been after since, since Genesis 3. And I want to tell you a little bit about this new creation because I can hardly contain myself. You, you probably can't tell that, but truly, trust me, in the new creation, God is going to finally end evil and suffering. He will banish all pain and sorrow. In the Lord of the Rings, the third book, Sam wakes up. What's happened to the world? Gandalf says, a great shadow has departed. And then he laughed and the sound was like music or like water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he had not heard laughter, the pure sound of merriment for days upon days without count. A great shadow will depart. Death, the last enemy, will be destroyed. That's when this will be fulfilled, the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. And as he promised, God will reconcile, restore, renew everything that sin has disrupted, distorted, and destroyed. Everything crooked will be made straight. The world will be completely remade top to bottom. 
He will fully reweave the fabric of the universe that began to, to unravel at the fall. And creation once again will be a place that overflows with God's perfection, His beauty, and His goodness. And in doing so, He will heal everything. Revelation 22, 2 talks about the healing and new creation. He'll right all wrongs. He'll restore back to us all the good things that were dear to us and that we've lost. In the words of Tolkien, everything sad will come untrue. Won't that be a great day? Everything sad will come untrue. Johnny Erickson Tata, I just heard her two weeks ago on the radio, said this about new creation. I can still hardly believe it. She, by the way, is paraplegic, if you don't know her. As a, as a teenager in an accident, broke her neck and has been paraplegic for years. I can still hardly believe it. I with shriveled, bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this gives someone spinal cord injured like me, or someone who's cerebral palsied, brain injured, or has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, new hearts, new minds, I would add, on a new creation. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. Isn't that good news? It's great news. Once again, we will live in intimate communion, total communion with God, living under His reign and just that total intimacy with Him. And, and in us, that broken, that image that was shattered at the fall will be restored. We will be finally and fully free from the presence of sin. Don't you long for that day. No more, just even those thoughts that come in, they're all gone, just totally purified. We'll be His image bearers, once again, reflecting Him to His creation, the way we were created, His goodness, His character, everything about Him. We will care for and steward the creation, once again, the way we were intended. And it says in Revelation 22 that we, the last words in this text that we were looking at, we will reign with Him forever and ever. We'll once again have the dominion that was lost in Genesis 3 restored. And we will be reigning with God, ruling, bringing His loving care and His wise order upon creation. And it'll be a place, once again, full of His shalom, the shalom that was lost. That wholeness, the well-being, universal flourishing and delight, Goodness is going to permeate and prevail everything again. Everything will be totally ordered, rightly related. Everything in perfect harmony. Everything exactly as it should be in all four areas. And it's all because finally, because you see the new, that new Jerusalem coming, heaven and earth reunite. Finally, it'll be on earth as it is in heaven. And it's all going to be the natural outflow of God being fully present and being in charge again. And just the natural abundance and flourishing that comes from His glorious presence. This is the world we all long for. I talked about that the first week. The world we all long for. The thing we desperately desire but we can't seem to create. The ideal will finally become real. And that deep ache that we have for a perfect world, it's finally going to come to fruition. And when we step into this world, you know what we're going to say? We're going to say what the unicorn said in the last battle. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for my whole life. Jordan, come up here. Where are you, sir? Oh, he's back there. This is, you know, this whole story as he's coming, this is our story. Do you know that? It's not just God's story, but it's our story, and he's invited us into it, and it should shape everything we do. And this hope ought to change the way we live. So you got the mic. Grab a chair. And this, by the way, when we talk about the kingdom of God and we're kingdom of people, this story is the story of God's kingdom. Revelation 11, 5 says that when Jesus comes back, that the kingdom, his kingdom is finally and fully restored. And so that's why we call ourselves kingdom people. And I brought the carabiners back. So if you don't have one of these, even to remind you of this story, there's some up here on the stage you can come grab. So Jordan, I brought up you here for a reason. Um, got your Jayhawk mug. Here's the big reveal. Got my 
Got my Jayhawk mug. Garen, um, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to hang out with you anymore, man, because you're like the kid in the cul-de-sac who is, like, pushing the envelope, and your parents say, stay away from that kid. He's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. After this Sunday, I think that's going to be the case. I, so you recently read this book. We'll have to get your cover for next service. So they yeah, can I threw see. my jacket away because oh, I hate book away. jackets. Sorry. It's still cold out. You need to keep your jackets. Um, it's called All Things New by John Eldridge. It's about new creation. Um, I want you to tell me, like, what... It's, it's all about this. What, what were some things, as you read it, you got really excited about this future. Yeah. What, what were the things that really got you excited well, when about I, st- I don't remember how this book got in my hands. You must have recommended it or something, but I just remember I would read a couple chapters, and I'd come into your office and be like, Garen, do you know what I just read? And you're like, yeah, like, that's what's going to happen. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize it. But John Eldridge just talks about new creation in a, in a way that I never experienced. The thing that really got me excited was... Um, these Greek words you're talking about, palingonesia, apokatastasis, I think. When you look back at what they really mean, and it's not like your English translation of what, of what it's talking about, when you say, oh my gosh, that's what Jesus meant when he said that, and you just go straight to the horse's mouth, like, that's what he intended, and it, it really gives you a new hope to look forward to, because it's not this ambiguous, like, what's going to happen, like Jesus tells us, and it's just so exciting. Yeah, not this ambiguous, just living... Right, heaven and wing, you know, flying around, and we don't really know what it's going to be like, but... It's going to be living on new creation. And what about this? You talked about this gave you a new level of hope. Right. Deeper, what, like, how did it do that for you? Well, yeah, because when you have something to look forward to, it's, it's hopeful, right? Like, we're, we're told that we can endure hard times and we can suffer for the gospel because we have this great hope in Christ, right? Well, if we don't know what that is, it's kind of hard to endure times and to, and to suffer for the gospel, um, but when you know exactly what you're looking forward to and just the amount of joy and hope and awesome that awaits us, it just makes it so much easier to really live with that joy. Yeah. And you also talked about with me um, the thing about longing, like how nothing on this earth. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever feel like this, but I feel like nothing in this world ever, like I always set it up like this is the thing that's going to fulfill me or be perfect, and it never quite is. Like, uh, like I don't know, anything really, like a big trip or like a bowl of cereal on a late night, like this is going to be the perfect bowl of cereal, like, oh man, I'm still hungry afterwards or whatever, like that's just me being weird, but cereal, there's always really? something like we build up, okay. and it never lives up to it, ever, ever, ever. Even like, you know, I'm going to date this girl, or I'm going to marry this girl, and we're going to have these kids, and after this, life's going to be great and perfect, and like, we long to be, to have this shalom that you talk about, right? Like, everything is right inside us. We long for that so bad, and no matter how many times we think something on earth can give us that, it just never does. It's never enough. Yeah. And you, so where's Caleb? Caleb's around. Caleb, come on up. Grab, grab this chair. Um, Jordan, just as he's coming up, just talk briefly about this idea of loss. What does this tell us about loss? About loss. Yeah, the things we lose in this life. You remember that part? I forgot what we talked about with that. You talked about even like you get misunderstood or... Um, well, that's okay. Give that to... Give Sorry. That to yeah, I, strike one. Caleb, I... Uh, I yeah, I think this is my last interview I'm ever doing. <laughs> Caleb, we have a gift for you, because we realized you weren't going to have anything to have coffee, right? So we, we brought you a mug, Aww. sir. No. Uh, Do you want a second one, Jordan? <laughs> Missouri fan. That's, uh, but this is like, let's make a deal. You can trade that in for what's in the bag. Would you, would you like what's in the bag? Of course. All right, here we go. Here's what's in the bag. You get much a nice, better, much better. Nice princess Ariel mug. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you think that's better, okay. Uh, that's, whoa, I'd be worried about him if I were you guys. Uh, anyways, so then you, you asked a question. What was your question you asked him that kind of started you on this journey? Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to know what heaven would kind of be like because um, a lot of it was just kind of curiosity about heaven. And um, also, I didn't want to be, like, bored in heaven because, um, like, in my mind, I kind of had, like, the idea that, oh, we'd just be, like, singing forever in heaven. And, um, like, I like singing in church and stuff, but forever seems, like, way too long. <laughs> um, so, 
I asked Jordan like what he thought heaven would be like and um, kind of through all this I've kind of learned that it's um, a lot like kind of like earth now um, just restored and like made perfect and how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So how does that affect your faith? Um, how did that affect your faith, this idea of, of actually living on new creation forever and ever with God fully present? Yeah, so it gave me a lot more, like, joy and, like, hope for the future, like, um, well, for, like, heaven, I guess, and, like, eternity. So, yeah. And tell me, what, what things do you love in this earth that in new creation you want to continue to love and pursue? Um, what, do you, what do you love? So, like, running and, like, running. math and science are, like, two things that are, like, really big for me. Um, so now, like, when we talked about this at Starbucks, <laughs> he's, when you said math and science, he said that'd be hell to some people. Yeah. <laughs> the math part, not the science. Yeah. Sorry, Carissa, but the math part. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Yeah, so go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, like... Uh, for running, like, I, I really enjoy it, but sometimes it's not always the most fun whenever it's really hot outside and you have to do, like, 800 repeats or whatever. Um, but, like, I imagine just being able to run, like, forever and not be tired and, like, not be sore afterwards either. Like, that just sounds great to me. Um, and then for like math and science, like I just really enjoy that. And like, if I have all the time in the world to do that, it's like, I, I can just do that forever in a way. Yep, awesome. All right, you can give me the print. Why don't you give the princess mug back to Jordan? We'll do this again, second service. But we're gonna have a different mug, second service dude, so. All right, uh, guys, thank you. Can we give them some applause for coming up? So if you haven't cheated, the way God's story end is this. It is restored for good. Almost a little bit of a double meaning here because it'll be good again. But also when we say th something is for good, that means what? It'll be great for good, right? Forever. That's, that's not very good English, I don't think. Forever. It'll be restored forever and we'll live on that new creation. Um, I got a, a guy I do business with, and, um, you know, he knows I follow Jesus, and he, kind, he used to, but kind of doesn't, and then his son has really walked away from Christianity, and they were having a spiritual conversation when they were out of town, and he told me recently, he said, I was talking with my son, and he said, like, he said, Dad, can you give me, can you just say something, like, heaven, really? I'm just going to look forward to just like floating around in clouds forever singing, kind of that idea. And he said, isn't there anything better? Like my gener I don't, who, I don't care about that. Can you, can you, is there something better than that? And he was talking to me, he goes, I don't know what to say. His son's coming in two weeks and we're going to have coffee. And when he comes, I'm going to say, have I got a story for you? Have I got a story for you? I'm really excited for that. You know, what do you love about creation? What do you love? The sights, the sounds, the smells. Can I tell you some of the things I love? Some of the taste to me, a freshy, freshy, <laughs> a fresh, juicy pear off the tree. I mean, when you eat, it just, it runs down, right? Wild strawberries, the smells that I love, fresh brewed coffee, vanilla, honeysuckle and lilacs are going to be blooming soon. I love the smell of those things, the smell of a spring rain. What do you love to see and look at? I love redbud trees. I look forward to the spring for that. Sunsets, tell you what, get on top of the 14ers, get on top of Elbert, surrounded by all those collegiate 14ers. There is no grander sight in the world. The view is beautiful. I love watching otters play. I love, you go to the zoo, the big cats to me are so beautiful. The Flint Hills are amazing. What do you love to touch and feel? You know, that perfect Bermuda grass, walking in it in bare feet, isn't that great? Newly, freshly tilled soil, walking in that in your garden. 
What do you love to hear? What sounds? To me, it's like the sound of rain falling on leaves, a gurgling Colorado stream, the roar of a waterfall. If you're from western Kansas, a western meadowlark, not an eastern, a western meadowlark, the howl of a coyote in the distance. I want you to know all of those things that we love are going to be in the renewed creation, all of those things. All the things you've experienced that you love, all the things you've never experienced are going to be there. You know, all good stories always end and they live happily ever after, right? And so does this story. Creation will finally be what God created it to be. And to quote C.S. Lewis again, if you don't mind, this is what, when we walk into this world, Things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful. I cannot even write them. And for us, we can most truly say they've all lived happily ever after. For it will only be the beginning of the story. This life will have only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, we will be beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. This is the world that we ache for, that we long for, and I want to tell you, there's only one religion, there's only one philosophy in all the history of humanity that says this world is good and we are meant to live on it and we will live on it forever and ever with God fully present with us. Would you stand with me? Sorry, you're going to be a few minutes late to your coffee and your cupcake this morning, but it is worth me doing this. Can I read to you what the Scripture and the prophets say about this new creation, this place that's restored for good? Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with Him, and He will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. And God said, look, I will make new heavens and a new earth. The troubles of the past will be forgotten, and I will make those troubles go away. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and first earth had disappeared. We're looking forward to this new heaven and new earth that God promised, where goodness will be at home. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. All my people will be blessed by the Lord. I will provide for their needs before they even ask. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. I will make them and the places surrounding them a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing there. They will live securely, for then His greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And they will build houses and dwell in them, and they will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. The desert and dry land will become happy. The desert will be glad and will produce flowers. Wolves will lie in peace with lambs. Leopards will lie down to rest with goats. Lions will eat hay as oxen do. They will not hurt or destroy each other on, at all on my holy mountain. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. My people will be happy forever because of the things I will make. I will make a Jerusalem that is full of joy. There will never again be heard in that city the sounds of crying and sadness. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, sadness, crying, or pain because all the old ways are gone. And the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He'll remove His people's disgrace from all the earth. They will enter into Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Sorrow and sadness will flee away. The people will shout for joy. Their faces will shine with happiness about all the good things from the Lord. Because my people will be filled with the good things I give them, says the Lord. And they will go out and frolic. 
fr- I can't wait to frolic. <laughs> like well-fed calves. At that time, they will report, we have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and full of shalom. In that place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty, for He will be our peace. Shout and be glad, I am coming, and I will live among you, says the Lord. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is full of water. At that time, the new king from the family of David will stand as a banner for all peoples. The nations will come together around him. The place where he lives will be filled with glory. Now God's presence is with his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. Everyone will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. And we will rule with him as kings forever and ever. And we all will shout in a loud voice that salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, to the Lamb. And we will sing a new song to the Lamb. You are worthy because you were killed and by your death you bought people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And from the ends of the earth we will hear singing, glory to the righteous one. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. And the response of God's people to this is, would you say it with me? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for the ending of the story, that you don't leave not just us or your creation alone, but you will restore, renew, and reconcile all things, all the things that we love back, and we will live forever with you on this new creation, frolicking with you like well-fed calves. We long for that day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are sent as people of the great story. So let's go live into this, okay?